Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Southeast, the podcast where we take you through some of the major topics facing importers and manufacturers in China today. Hi, listener. Thanks for joining us for episode 59 of the pod. Today, Renault goes solo and he talks about supplier improvement in great detail. You're not going to want to miss this one. So, Renault, it's over to you. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, China Manufacturing Decoded. I am Renaud Angeran from Sophist, I'm your host, and today I'm doing just this recording uh, just myself, and I wanted to just cover a, uh, an important topic that is usually on everybody's mind <laughs> pretty often, at least once a week, is how do I get my suppliers to improve? Right, and I gave a um, a training in the European Chamber of uh, in, in in China, both in Shenzhen and Guangzhou, a few years ago, on that topic. And then I found this um, I found my notes again, and I thought, hey, this this would be an interesting podcast episode. So there we go on the topic of supplier improvement, and I found a a survey. Again, that was at that time a few years ago, but 70% of people interviewed say that, hey, my biggest challenge is actually working with suppliers to improve performance. Okay, that was in Quality Progress, um, the journal of the American Society for Quality, right? So if <laughs> if they can find ways to um, to get their suppliers to improve, that's a huge advantage for for their companies. Now, how to do that? And first, I, I usually start by saying there's some cases where it's just really difficult, right, or impossible, such as maybe your purchasers, when they deal with suppliers, they treat them like enemies. Okay, for example, we've worked with a company, I remember, their purchasing team was systematically demanding 5%, at least 5%, reduction in price every year, right? So do that with some Chinese suppliers, for example, which are used to actually raising the price every year. And, you know, it leads pretty fast to a very conflictual relationship. In that case, you know, everything you say or they say would be in the context of, hey, their purchasers are trying to to um, to mess up with us and trying to, to cut our margins further and get us to lose to lose money actually on their orders. You know, this is not a nice customer. So they're not going to bend over backward just to, to, to please you. Another difficult case is when the maybe the, the you know top management is positive. Okay, yeah, let's try to do something. But the um, the, the people under them, the, 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 the local managers, the local leaders on the shop floor and so on, they are always busy with problems. They're always putting out fires. And so the question really is why? Is it because their processes are very unstable? Okay, so that's, you know, that's a clear path. But then maybe it's something else, you know, and maybe they just have no clue how to actually solve problems so they don't come back. So maybe... There needs to be some training and coaching first, but until you address that, basically nothing really can can be done. Another issue is a really tough one, is when really there's no way 
to find you know some good suppliers so for example you buy some um, metal products so metal parts okay and these parts have to be sent out for for surface treatment for example for plating and your supplier says yeah but you know all the plating suppliers that we work with they're all just bad and they don't care about us uh, either we'll work you know with the really big ones that are good but they don't want our business and the small ones there are fewer and fewer of them because they're getting closed they're getting shut down for non-compliance with anti-pollution laws and so we don't really have a choice okay so that 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 is a tough one there are cases like this where really there's no good solution unfortunately now as you plan for this how to to, to get your suppliers to improve you need to think okay let's say you have 10 different suppliers you know you're not going to start working on that with all 10 suppliers you need to think are you know are some of them uh, more important to your company versus just selling some you know ancillary products that don't really matter much in your portfolio and getting them to improve will not really move the needle for your business well focus on those that really um that that really uh, have an impact on your business right um, also um, when you look at these these companies you know are, are how mature are their systems and processes is it a pretty unstructured type of factory where you know it's the boss and his wife maybe running the show and they don't have any management to speak of well the way to deal with them would be pretty pretty different than uh, dealing with a 2000 worker very highly structured manufacturer right very very different if it's a smaller company they they have different needs maybe they they their performance is not up to the standard that you want because um, you know because they don't have proper management because they have no clue how to control their processes they have no clue how to really address the problems and things like that and when you work with a bigger manufacturer well then you need to think okay where does it come from um, you know and how to address that and how maybe can can we work together with them how can we be seen you know as more as a good customer so that they put their good engineers to work on that problem maybe you don't need to be that hands-on in in the approach okay so of course you need to think also of their performance you know good suppliers maybe it's good to help them to get even better but if some suppliers are really putting your 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 business in a difficult position sometimes maybe they deliver you know weeks late and sometimes this very inconsistent quality and you have to reject a batch and things like that that's probably number one uh, on your priority list so you you need to work with these troublesome suppliers first okay you need to be clear about what you want also you just go to them and you say hey we're not really happy you know this is not good blah 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 you know you need to get better it's very vague and one good tip here is to be very specific be as specific as you can you know uh, do you want better quality do you want fewer delays do you want them to increase the prices more slowly uh, do you feel that communication is not good you need maybe a you know better communication a healthier relationship um, what you know what exactly is it 
that that you're not happy about, right? There's some smart consultants from McKinsey that came out with a framework with five levels. But basically, you need also to think of you know where you are with these suppliers. Um, you know, are you just sending a PO and making sure that you get it and not doing anything else, just like you buy stationery for your office, let's say, right? That's level one. Uh, they might not even really know you. You might never have visited them, right? In this case, well, there might be a lot of um, a lot to gain simply by going a little bit deeper with them, you know, sending someone to, to actually visit them, to create more of a face-to-face -face relationship. Uh, and, um, you know, looking at competition, maybe you need to source some other suppliers, uh, a little bit of um, cost analysis to understand if cost is the problem, right? Uh, negotiating a little bit. You can do a lot without really uh, pushing for improvement, right? Now, if you're already at that stage, have you tried to maybe consolidate all the volume on, on, on them and make them more of a key supplier and make sure that they know about that and give you some, um, some, some concessions, some maybe better treatment, you know, in, in exchange, maybe, maybe you can do that, right? Uh, and maybe you can also work with them to fix the, the sources of their issues, to uncover first the sources of their issues, because often they don't know. Right, you know, and then do you uh, actually even develop new products with them, uh, standardize uh, certain things uh, together with them? There's a lot of things you can do, right? But if you have a very hands-off uh, sort of relationship, or you don't really know them, and and you haven't really worked on on, on um, making sure that uh, you're paying the market price and looking at the competition and everything. Uh, this might be the first step. Now, as I said, you need to be clear about what you want. So, and, and then you need to translate that into KPIs, key, key performance indicators, uh, not 20 KPIs, right? Maybe two or three KPIs that you follow up on and you put it in the face of their managers, maybe once a month or once a quarter, and then they know that you're going to get back to them about that. Then you will have their attention. Again, be specific as much as possible. So some common KPIs for, for, for quality would be um, the percentage of defectives or part per million defective, um, the improvement in that, in that number, right? Um, the number of returns that you get from, from the market. Maybe the number of corrective action requests that you opened and how fast they were closed and whether they were closed. Uh, these are the kind of things that are typical. Uh, maybe the cost of quality will get to that also um, in, in, a, in, in a few minutes. If the problem, the main problem is on-time delivery, or should I say late deliveries, well, you can count the percentage of on-time deliveries and late deliveries and be very, very clear on how you actually keep track of that? Is it based on the, 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 the ETD date that you wrote on your PO? Is it the right that, you know, the one that they confirm? You know, is it up to uh, actual ETD? Uh, make sure that the formula is very clear here, right? If there's a lot of items, well, what is the percentage that is not shipped on time, right? Because maybe some of them are on time, some of them are not on time, you know, what was their, their service level? Uh, 
and their lead time. Now that that is that is an interesting one because maybe maybe they tell you well when it's 50 days, okay, well, you know it should be possible for you to get down to 35 days in six months, and maybe you need to show them how to do that, right? And then you 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 just keep track of it, right? Because if they improve on that point, well, this is this is the most important for you actually, right? Okay, uh, cost. Do they keep raising the cost? How fast? Do they even you know maybe give you reductions of of of, of pricing? Wow, uh, that that would be great. Um, you know, keep track of that. There's a lot of things you can you can do to keep track of costs. Maybe for some of the products, they give you visibility on the, the prices they pay to their key suppliers for the key components. You know, uh, that that would be great because it gives you better visibility. Uh, that's something that you should always try to to fight for, I guess, with your key suppliers at, at least. And maybe it's service or responsiveness. So. You know, when you need an engineering change request, you know, do, do, do it fast, do they say, okay, yeah, we're going to work on that, but for the next batch, we don't have enough time, ta 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 ta, right? When you have an emergency order, do, do they try to accommodate or not, right? There's, there's a lot of things like this communication, uh, development of new products, whatever is most important to you. And then pick two or three that are really important uh, and just be maniacal about following up with the suppliers and giving giving it to them and saying hey guys this is you know what really matters to us okay and it can be it can get very complicated if you google uh, chrysler american kairatsu so kairatsu japanese word k e i r e t s u on hbr.org you know harvard business review uh, you can find an interesting article on what Chrysler did in the 90s. Uh, they had, you know, pretty nice and sophisticated system to actually get suppliers to suggest savings, sources of savings, and based on that, they could be more expensive and still get the the business right based on points, and it, it was quite sophisticated. Okay, now something that very often comes up is the cost of quality. If you want them to improve, if you want them to improve, um, you know, you get to make sure that they understand that they will actually save money. They need to understand, you know, the sources of the costs, uh, because factory owners, factory managers, don't care that much usually about, hey, yeah, this buyer is really happy about us. He loves us, you know. <laughs> they but <laughs> they want to make sure they make money. Uh, in the short term, that's the sad truth of many of them. So if you can show them, hey, you're doing this wrong and it's costing you a lot of money, they would be more likely to 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 make changes, to be motivated, you know, much more likely in our experience. So, and I'm, I'm covering cost of quality here because obviously it, you know, it motivates them to improve quality, but also it shows them how to cut costs. So that's you know, very often that's um, that's a discussion that buyers have with their with their their suppliers. So obviously they know that they're scrapping some material. They know they're doing some rework. 
but they might not keep track of it. You know, if you ask, okay, so last month, how many hours of rework did you do on the assembly lines? They might have no clue because they're not tracking it, right? So they're not putting an, a number of RMBs on it. And guess what? That means, oh, oh, you know, well, 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 they don't know. Uh, so it's not very clear in their mind that it's costing them a lot of money. Sometimes you go to the factory and you say, so what is all this line doing here with 10 people? Oh, they, yeah, it's nothing. They're reworking something that, that failed. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, but it, they're not translating that necessarily into RMB. Um, well, they certainly see your penalties and your chargebacks. That, that they can see. Uh, there's, there's no, no worries on that. Uh, so that's good. But that's quite conflict, conflictual, right? Um, so you're pushing the, the cost of quality back to them, which is uh, usually a very good thing. But it, it leads to, to, um, to a conflictual relationship often. So you, you can do it in a way that they don't see as fair. Uh, because often that's, um, well, <laughs> uh, you know, that just gets them mad and just get them focused on the wrong thing, right? Not an improvement, but a negotiation. And that's what you don't want. Uh, also, well, when you, let's say you, maybe you you, you operate a manufacturing company in Shenzhen, right? And you, you're thinking, hey, how can I improve the performance of my suppliers? Well, when you get a batch and your incoming QC inspectors just reject it, ah, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's painful to the supplier. They get it back, they have to fix it uh, with a lot of pressure. Maybe you request that they send five of their guys to, to do rework in your place, you know. They see that. It's a little bit more visible, right? And it's immediate feedback on poor quality, which is um, a very good thing. Now, there are also a lot of hidden costs <laughs> and these are the ones that they, they usually don't even pay attention to uh, they don't really associate that to poor quality um, so for example there are issues there are difficulties they have to put some of their engineers uh, on on a problem do they keep track of the cost of these these engineers no no very often they don't right you know, you give them a corrective action request, an, an AD, whatever you call it, to, to fill out, to explain. Well, that's administrative work, maybe by their their quality manager or one of their quality engineers. Oh, oh, you know, that that costs money in the, in the end. Um, there are issues, they're wondering what to do, how do we respond to the customer, and how do we fix that? Management time, also a lot of money. Sometimes they, you know, they have a lot of confusion. Maybe uh, a line is 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 down because, you know, they they notice that they're making something wrong. Okay, so they don't want to keep going. But all of these operators are idle. Now that's much better than keeping them working. You know, processing uh, products that in the end will have to be, uh, you know, rejected. Of course, it's much better, but still there is a cost here. If they have uncertainty, for example, uncertainty about the quality of what they will get from their suppliers, they might always keep some uh, inventory. Well, that's that's a, <laughs> that's an extra cost that usually they don't also they don't factor in. You know, when they do rework, obviously they cannot do 
some other production, so it decreases their capacity. And then the biggest of all is the lost orders, uh, lost customers, you know, lost reputation. This usually they, they don't put um, value on it, but it it's actually the most expensive of all. And then you also want to look at the cost of quality for your organization. So when you talk to your, your supplier, you know, it's not just about the cost that um, poor quality creates in their company, but also they need to sort of understand that poor quality coming from them has an impact on your company's costs, right? Um, and you can put pressure on them, you can, you know, make them understand that you cannot accept a higher price because altogether, you know, the buying from them is quite expensive for you. Um, you might also simply send them some chargebacks for these costs incurred in your company. So when you look into it, what are these these types of, of costs? Well, you, when you 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 when you receive poor quality products, you know what kind of disruption does it does it have? Does it cause in your company? First, you know you need to have inspectors just because you cannot trust the supplier, right? Um, then what what happens when your suppliers find some issues? They spend a bit more time to check a little bit more in depth, maybe, right? Then purchaser or a quality person has to communicate with the supplier you know you know what what happened what was this problem explain it um, you know there's some administrative costs uh, and, and following up and maybe um, charging back some of the costs and things like that um, you might open a corrective action request uh, and then you have to follow up on it well this also is administrative cost, maybe from your quality manager this time, right? Um, what happens if you actually send some poor quality products to your own customers? They have to understand that it's very expensive in that case, right? Uh, now, with the typical Chinese supplier, you know, when they hear that, they'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, uh, no, no, you, you know, this is, uh, you, you cannot charge me for all these extra damages and things like that, sorry. You know, um, but uh, if you have some some key suppliers, you can probably talk to them uh, from the beginning and make them understand the problem. And uh, if they if it's not enough, maybe charge some of it back to them. Okay. So also, you know, quality issues cause late deliveries, cause expedited shipments, and things like that. So all of these are costs, you know, sources of costs for you, the buyer. Do you actually communicate that to your suppliers? Do you keep track of it? Some companies have a point system uh, where, you know, there's so many issues, okay, it's so many points per supplier, and then they keep track, and then they can tell the supplier, you know, you, you are the worst because this, 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 and you have to improve. Um, but I see a lot of buyers don't, don't communicate on that so it's a little bit of um, a wasted opportunity I would say now how to actually drive improvement as I mentioned earlier um, 
in many cases, the key problem is that their local managers and their engineers are just always busy with number one, the day-to-day -day business to run, and number two, dealing with the problems that keep coming up. And that means they're spending no time at all on projects to, um, to actually drive improvement in the long term. In many cases, that's the problem. So what you do here, you actually need to have someone you know, force them to work on the biggest problems, you know, sort of one by one, and then keep following up over time. And that's, that's actually not, not easy to do because you need to keep working, as I said, on these, these, um, on these problems, maybe for six months or a year, because if you don't do follow-up, well, then the countermeasures you've put in place uh, actually don't stick, and you're back to having the same problem come back again, right? So you, you, you often need to give them some guidance to do proper root, root cause analysis, and you need to uh, push them to um, to pick the right countermeasures to actually address the the root cause of root causes. Okay, all of that is you know, an entire different podcast episode if I if I go into that. Uh, but it's it's not that easy. Uh, you usually cannot do that just by email on a few um, a few calls. Now, the last topic I want to cover here is you know. Um, when working on the processes, actually, manufacturing processes, you know, I want to give you sort of a simple rule of thumb of what to work on based on the kind of issue. So if you're getting 3%, 5%, 10% of defectives due to a specific cause, such as, as I mentioned before, poor plating, um, you know, or it could be some other issue, that has to do with a specific process. Well, that's a process capability issue. Now, if you have a process capability issue, just focus on that process. You start to collect uh, data on the critical to quality points, and you chart that, and you sort of look at you know the amount of variation, and if really it is confirmed that there's way too much variation and it's really impacting the final product quality, then you need to you know, keep tracking that and make changes to the process. Um, if possible, change one variable at a time so you actually see the cause and effect relationships and you can, you know, the team can learn from that, actually learn from uh, the process behavior. Um, in many cases, um, we would simply set up, um, okay, like a regular measurement cycle and then tell them, you know, you, you keep measuring these points or these variables and you, you chart them this way and you um, you calculate the CPK index. It's one of the types of capability ind indices. Uh, and then you make changes one variable at a time uh, based on your best, best guesses and you see what actually changes, you know, if variation goes down. And if you can make um, the values more centered on the, the, the target value, and then you over time, you could usually find ways to to um, to improve the process capability. Uh, if it's very complicated, there are more advanced statistical tools, uh, designs of experiments. Especially if you cannot 
make a lot of experiments you need to um, you know maybe it's very expensive then do uh, DOE design your experiments but this is not needed you know 95% of the time or, or more all right now if the problem is that there are issues but they're not detected fast enough uh, maybe it's because of a mix-up on the line because they have too many pieces in front of them okay then you work on the line setup you try to re-engineer the lines uh, you you work on um, making the products the materials flow in a way that's very logical if possible one by one um, and on having the right testing and inspection points where needed and on having very quick feedback to the to the previous process step whenever there's a problem you need to have a very very fast uh, feedback loop so as much as possible you need to um, to make all of that very interconnected rather than okay process a and then wait for a week and process b and so on right if the main sources of issues are just human mistakes and then you, the people say oh you know the, so suppliers often say well you know it's made by hand so can't do anything better you know there's always going to be some problems always one two three percent sorry i can't do anything about it <laughs> in many cases that's not true that's not true uh, if they make you know uh, metal parts uh, wooden furniture you know there's so many um, so many you know electronics so many kinds of products where some mistake proofing helps a lot so if the operator can grab the part and you know maybe position it in the fixture in this way or maybe in that way which is the wrong way well you, you put pins you put whatever you know sensors um, there are ways to actually make it impossible that's the best so it actually doesn't even fit or um, to detect that he did something wrong and give him feedback very fast um, in some cases it's you know it's it's, it's very very simple and um, very uh, very cost-effective and very fast and for there's a very um, very common story I heard it two or three times at least of the problem of the empty carton so it's like a conveyor belt and then um, there's a there's a way to pack the cartons that's automated okay and but some of the cartons maybe one in a hundred are comes out empty you know how to do so you could say well you know you on the conveyor belt we put a, a way to, to check the weight you know weighing scale and then uh, based on that um, it would be reoriented in, in you know in a, in a different way and we know that this carton is wrong okay that's sort of the high-tech approach um, and then the low-tech approach is put a fan and then when the the empty carton gets in front of the fan it would just be blown away right um, there's many things like that you know oh the the product comes out it's you know when it's wrong it's too high okay you know and some people will say well put an optical sensor and whenever there's something too high that passes you know it will beep 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 you know and some other people will say well just put a stick and it will catch the stuff that's too high and push it on the side right so um, there's, there's usually more than one way to to do this uh, but it requires a certain uh, a certain mindset and if, if you've seen a number of these mistake proofing devices 
uh, you will you will have many ideas. But if you've never seen it, like many people in the factories that we deal with, uh, it's like, oh, you know, oh, never thought about that. Yeah, why not? Yeah, maybe it works. You know, uh, and then it might just mean color coding things, just like when you get a computer and you say, okay, this port is green and this cable, this side of the cable is green, so they go together. Track. It, it guides people. It's not really mistake proofing, but it does prevent some uh, some mistakes, right? In some cases, you need to to make some uh, small redesigns to to the parts. Anyway, I'd just like to conclude this topic. You know, how do you actually drive improvement in the long run with your suppliers? Some good approaches to that that we've seen is make it specific. Pick one, two, three KPIs and give it to them regularly and then give them some formal feedback okay that involves their managers maybe every three months and if it's bad if it's bad you might summon them to come you know especially if you are in the country to uh, to come and actually explain the poor performance on the data right on the data that, that you collected uh, that kind of sends a signal you know we really think this is very important and you know our general manager wants to see you in his office when performance is not good like that <laughs> you know that actually pushes some suppliers to to um, to make a lot of efforts since you 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 draw some data you can actually show this data to supplier you know and also of their competitors maybe you work with five suppliers for roughly the same kind of product and maybe you know maybe you you have inspectors going to their factories and and they collect data it's more and more common to have that in a digital way uh, on, on on a mobile app and then it's it's quite easy to pull out some of the some of the data and you can actually show them you know supply a b c d you know you are b and look you know you're not doing good so i'm going to give some more orders to supplier a because they're doing better than you right that sends a signal if you, if you, when you find issues or your team finds issues, you know, escalate the problem very fast. Um, push them to do much more inspection at the source. Um, you know, force them to to pay an inspection company to um, to, to do 100% inspection. You know, these kinds of things really pay. You know, catches their attention, right? Um, and then of course there's the the whole approach of we're going to punish them. Uh, you know, chargebacks, penalties. Um, we're going to reduce your business. You know, cut it in half next year if you don't get to that to that level, or if, if there's any more serious quality issue or, or whatnot. Uh, this also gets their attention, but again, it is a bit conflictual. So it might not be the first thing you you want to um, to, to try. And but really, you know, the we always get back to the same question you know is it the same is it the right the right suppliers that you're working with uh, do you have the you know good fit suppliers or maybe not right so you also need to reevaluate that uh, periodically and you might need to make some changes in your supplier pool you might need to maybe consolidate your purchasing power to have a few key suppliers rather than a bunch of different suppliers you might need to have a um, uh, a purchasing person, a purchasing manager, maybe who is 
very adept at having tough conversations, but at the same time motivating them, rather than just getting everybody in the in in in, in a bad mood. Uh, some people have you know really have the skills to to sell the idea and to motivate people to do things. So don't underestimate that it's not all about financial penalties. All right, so that was today's episode, and I think we covered quite a bit of ground here. Hope that was helpful, and I'll see you next week on another topic. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to like and share, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other places that you get your podcasts from. See you next time.